The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Of all the miracles and parables in the Gospels, the Lord's baptism kind of stands out. It is a unique circumstance, a unique situation, a unique sight to see. All of us know that it was what marks the beginning of our Lord's ministry, his three-year ministry between him taking the place of John the Baptist as the prominent speaker on behalf of the Lord all the way up to his passion, death, and resurrection. In his baptism, you have the voice of God the Father coming down from heaven, giving an explicit stamp of approval to Jesus Christ. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. It is a day we mark in the church here in Epiphany as it is the manifestation of God's will. And today, it gives us an occasion to discuss holy baptism. Now, baptism amongst different Christians of different denominations is kind of a delicate subject. All of us know, and whenever you get together with family or friends, especially around the holidays for a meal, there are certain topics that you avoid talking about with people. There are certain people, perhaps, you avoid talking with because you know from years past and previous experiences, it's probably going to lead to an argument. Well, baptism is true when people from different Christian denominations get together and talk about theology, especially for pastors. All right? Whenever I get together with other ministers for whatever reason or encounter them somewhere and we get to chit-chatting, both of us kind of know you stay in the zone of stuff that you agree with, okay? So if I get together with a Catholic, we're going to talk about maybe the sacraments or something. We're not going to talk about the Pope because we are going to diverge right away on our opinions on that. Hi, John. <laughs> and if I get together with the Methodist, there's things that we know we can talk about and things we know we can't. And of course, it is true with baptism. There is a sharp division about baptism in the church, especially among Protestant churches. In our own context, as American Christians, we sort of are in the middle of a very Baptist idea of what the church is and what baptism is. There's the question about, when is it to be done? At what age? Who is the one to be baptized? Who ought to be baptized? What does baptism do, if anything? Is it something God does for us or us for God? And then there's one of the big ones. How do we do baptism? How are we to baptize? What is the method? Plenty is to be said about each one of these questions, but today I just want to focus on the last one, the method of holy baptism. All of us undoubtedly know folks on both or all sides of this issue. And like I said, the most prevalent in the context of where we are as Baptists. You'll find most American Protestants think that for it to be a baptism, it must be fully Immersed. The person must be immersed or dunked in a bunch of water. Their position, of course, is on record. It's not hard to find, not hard to understand or explain. Because of Jesus' baptism, the text that we read today from Matthew, because he went down into the Jordan River, 
that we too must go into a body of water, great or small, but go completely into it to be fully immersed. Otherwise, their position is it's not a baptism. It's not a valid baptism. If the person doesn't go all the way under, they say. Now, I want to admit up front and on public record here in front of you, there is something kind of nice about the imagery of a full immersion baptism. Luther thought so. You might not know that, but Luther liked the idea of someone being completely dunked in water because it has this imagery of someone dying and then rising back to life. And just because some people make a law where we shouldn't doesn't mean we have to deny that that is a very beautiful picture to talk about conversion and baptism. There's good symbolism in it. But that alone is not grounds for making it a rule. Just because there is this nice picture of what it's like to be buried in water and to rise back out, cleansed, doesn't mean we must do it that way. Lutherans don't do theology by conjecture. conjecture. And secondly, this must be said, the Bible does not explicitly say how Jesus was baptized. It doesn't say explicitly how we are to do baptizing for Christian baptism. Okay? The lesson from Matthew and the other ones talk about him going down into the Jordan, but it doesn't say John then said, all right, Jesus, hold your nose, and then dipped him back in the water one time or three times or whatever. It doesn't say that. And so we can't say that that's how it was done and that's how it must be done. You see, the word baptize is another transliterated word, like we talked about last week. Okay, it's a word in Greek that we just sort of took it and made it an English word. Baptizo is the verb, and we say baptism from that. It can mean immerse, sure. But do you know what its actual definition is in English? Baptizo means wash. Wash. So I want you to take that understanding and then take every verse you know about baptism, especially its institution, and it becomes a little clearer what God says we must do. Therefore, go, I'm with you always, therefore, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, or rather, washing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You also see this example in Mark 7, verse 4, if you want to write that down and go home and check it out, and it's only in the manuscripts that the King James Bible uses and a few others, but it talks about what the Pharisees do. Jesus is talking about their customs, and he says they go about baptizoing, washing cups, pots, copper vessels, and dining cushions. Okay, the dining cushions one is the word that's in some things and not others, but the point is when you go about cleaning your house, do you take your couch and dunk it fully 100% in a thing of water when you're doing spring cleaning? Rick might do that, but that's just Rick. And that's fine. You can do that. But most of us don't because we understand that to wash or to clean doesn't always mean to immerse and the like. And what's more, and this is an important one too, the earliest Christians did not understand baptism to be exclusively a dunking in water 100%. You find archaeological digs of early churches and their baptismal fonts. Some of them are big, big enough to have that sort of a dunking, and many of them are not. Clearly small enough to where it wasn't necessarily uh, the case unless the people were very small back then. The person was fully immersed in that font. They allowed for immersion, but they didn't mandate it. 
Now, more could be said about this, a lot more, but for this morning, I think this should be sufficient to refute, yes, refute, anyone that wants to make a law out of baptism or a law connected to holy baptism where God has not. In God's institution, this one or any of the rest of them, we do well to follow it, of course, but we also do well not to take things away from it or to add things to it. And that includes the details. Holy baptism is a gift of God to the church, something that he does do for us. And just as our Lord, mirroring his own baptism at the beginning of his ministry, closed it by telling us to go and baptize, he was telling us to wash ourselves. Something that he does for us, not him, us for him. And if you, friends, have been washed, if you've been baptized in the triune name, whether it be dunking, whether it be pouring, whether it even be sprinkling, then you are certainly baptized, and you have everything that God promises with that. So, in charity, listen to your other Christian friends that say, nope, you've got to be this old, or you've got to have this much water for it to be a baptism. But politely say, no, you are speaking where God has not spoken. I, for my part, will accept what God has said. I will accept the washing that he has given me and believe what he has promised that goes with it. Amen.